All right, let's get ready to move on with the service this morning. Um, I wanted to give you guys just another heads up and a little piece of information, too. This is something that's awesome. E-Kids, you know, they're in the middle of this series called Bob City right now. Have y'all been over to see the room? The way they've decorated it and all the cool stuff that's going on over there. Oh, my gosh. It's just amazing what they were able to do. Well, they've been bringing in every week, like, dump trucks and like construction stuff to let the kids see city vehicles and, and stuff that's tied to, you know, things tied to a city. Well, today they have the local police department here on campus helping them out with Bob City. So we'll have police officers here letting the kids see like the police outfits and all this stuff. And, and uh police car will be here so the kids will get to see the police car. How cool is that? Okay, now, why are you telling us, Pastor Josh? Well, one, it's cool. Two, I don't want y'all to freak out when you see cops here. Because I know some of y'all got some pass. And I know some of y'all might get nervous when you see an officer in uniform, especially if you're here and you've got some outstanding warrants or anything like that. So, not that y'all would, but I know the church that God has called me to pastor. And I know there's probably some of that here right now or recently uh, recently in, in some stories here today. So when you see the cops, don't run out the back door, okay? Nobody yell 5 and everybody scatter. It's okay. It's on purpose is what I'm saying. Uh, no drug dogs are going to sniff you today. So you're in the right place. All right, you're in the right place. Uh, let's get ready to dive in to the message today. Starting a new series, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited about this. If you've got your Bibles or your tablets, go to the book of Second Peter, Chapter 1, we're going to start reading at verse 3, and if you didn't bring anything to, to read, you know, we got you covered, we'll put the scriptures on the screen for you. All of the message notes today are also available um, on version, so you can follow along the message that way too, if you want to. Again, you guys joining us online, glad that you're tuning in with us, uh, follow along with the message again, man, just engage with us uh, the best way you possibly can. We want you to feel like you're not on the outside looking in, but like you're here with us as family because you're part of our e-church family today. So we love you. Uh, remember to like and share that live stream too so that we can reach some people. Second Peter 2, or 1, uh, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything. Everybody say everything. everything. We need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I love this passage of scripture because it tells us God has given us everything that we need. Everything that we need for every situation we're going to face, for every question that we're going to have to answer, God through his divine power, scripture says has given us everything we need to live a godly life. What does that mean? That means that he has set us up for success. That means that God is not a God who's 20 billion miles away from us in some mysterious thing called heaven, looking down on us, waiting for us to screw up. Waiting for us to fail so that he can bring his wrath and his judgment and drop fire from heaven on top of us. That's not his motivation towards us. Actually, Scripture says that he has gone the extra mile and not just sent his son to die for us, to free us from sin, you do realize that you have freedom from sin. You're not just forgiven of your sin. You are free from that sin. That means that you can choose once Jesus has set you free. 
He hasn't just done that for us, but the Bible says that he has given us everything that we need for life and godliness because he wants us to succeed and be consistent and to be overcoming in this life that we have so that we can face the issues and pass the test and overcome and not be overwhelmed by what's happening. You know what I mean? So he's a God that's rooting for us. He's a God that's wanting us to succeed in what he's calling us to do. And one of the ways that he does that is through his word. Another way that he does that is through his Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 22, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at how God uses the Holy Spirit to not just give us the power that we need, but to equip us and change us from the inside out so that we can be who we need to be as an overcomer in Christ. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, the Bible says. So, as I read Scripture, I ask myself questions. Okay, what is this fruit? Well, we discovered it. The fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who produces all of those things in our lives as a believer? Who does that? The Bible just said the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit does it. Now, this is key. This is key. Because I don't know if you have had the same kind of church history that I've had. Okay? But when I was brought up in church, I was always told what I shouldn't be doing. I was always corrected. I was always said, you know, a Christian doesn't do this, a Christian doesn't do that. And the weight and burden of my Christian lifestyle and my conduct, I was taught, rests on my shoulders. That is not what the Bible says. Now, if that is your church history, I want you to just hit Paul's mentally. And hear what we're going to be talking about today, and especially over the next couple of weeks. Now, I'm not saying that grace gives us a license to do everything that we want to do, and God will still love and forgive us. Okay, we still choose to do those things, and there's still penalties for our choices. I'm not talking about there not being consequences for action spiritually. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that Jesus died on a cross for a reason, and it's because we couldn't save ourselves. And God grows and changes us from the inside out because in and of ourselves, we don't have the strength and the ability to make it happen. If we did have that ability, he wouldn't give us the Holy Spirit to produce this stuff in our lives. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit is here to um, teach us a few things and then let us sort out our own walk with God after that. It, It says he's there to help produce or there to produce the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of these things in our lives. And I'll explain to you, here's just a layman's definition of what fruit is because that can get so, so spiritual and so fruity that nobody really understands what this actually is. Here's what is being communicated here. Fruit is the result of the Holy Spirit's ongoing work to mature us. 
So when the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it's talking about the fruit or the, the, um, the effect of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. It's an ongoing work to mature us. How many of you know that God expects us to mature and I'll walk with him? Okay. He expects us to grow up. He expects us to not be struggling with the same sin we were struggling with when we were saved. He expects us not to be wearing the same spiritual diapers that we were wearing when we got saved. He expects us to move to some good pull-ups and then put on those big girl and big girl panties and underwear, be able to dress ourselves and show up and not, the Bible says, not be stuck on milk like a young baby, but to mature so that we can handle the meat or the deeper truths of the Word of God are mature in um, our approach to our walk with God. God calls us to mature. He loves us enough to let us know that it's okay not to be okay. But He also loves us too much to leave us that way. And so He gives us one of the most powerful tools we have is the Holy Spirit in our lives to produce the fruit of change in our lives from the inside out so that we can mature and grow to be the person God's called us to be. Could you imagine what this room would look like right now if we dressed according to our spiritual maturity level? We would have some people dressed to the nines in some spiritual VIP suits, and some of y'all would have some stanky diapers on right now. Can you imagine sitting in church next to somebody going, All right, Fred. It's time to go in the back, let the nursery take care of you, and then come back out here and, and worship. You know, it's just we don't think of ourselves that way. But spiritually, I think it's kind of a funny way to think about how we look. Though God expects us to mature in our walk with Him, and Him being the awesome God that He is, and giving us everything that we need for life and godliness, He's given us the Holy Spirit to mature us. Now, the Holy Spirit works in our lives out of relationship with God. This is a very easy concept, but this is something I was never taught growing up in church. Okay? As you draw close to God, early in your relationship with Him, like the Bible's going to look weird to you, and it might not make sense, but give it time, you'll get some traction, and it will start to make sense, because the Holy Spirit will help you understand that as you draw closer to God. We have the tendency to want to make things happen on our own. And we have the tendency to take a very simple concept that God has given us and complicate it and wear ourselves out trying to do something that we are not equipped on our own to be able to do. We, by ourselves, cannot produce change on our own. Okay? That only happens out of a relationship with God as you are walking with him one day at a time, hanging out with him, reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, spending a little bit of time worshiping him on your own time at home, and then being in church regularly. It's a great way to foster that relationship with God. You'll get traction in it. Just like when you meet somebody for the first time, it's a little awkward, right? You know, if some of you that I don't know very well, we went out to have lunch after service today, me and Kelly went out with you. There'd be a little bit of awkwardness there as we tried to figure one another out and learn about each other. It's the same thing with God. It's a relationship. So don't be thrown off as if it's a little awkward in the beginning. Give it time. 
out of that relationship with God in his presence, the Holy Spirit now begins to work inside of us. This only works in proximity to God. This only works out of a relationship with him. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in us to change us from the inside out and to produce his fruit in our lives. What the Bible lists as the fruit of the Spirit, these things are not things that we can accomplish on our own. These items listed here, the way they're listed, carry a spiritual aspect about them that can only be fostered and created in and through the presence of God by his Holy Spirit. Make sense? So if, if you're frustrated and you're not seeing change in your life the way that you want to see it, the solution is simple. Get closer to God and allow the Holy Spirit to work on you and change you from the inside out. Don't frustrate yourself spiritually trying to make stuff happen on your own. Put some effort into it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but recognize where true change comes from. If we could change ourselves, Jesus wouldn't have had to have died for us. And if we could change ourselves, the Holy Spirit wouldn't be producing this stuff in our lives. We would do it on our own. Make sense? So, um, having said all that, let's dive into Galatians 5.22. And let's start talking about some of this fruit today. We're not going to finish this conversation today. Uh, it'll be something that we're, we touch on over the next several weeks. And I can't wait to get into this. Galatians 5.22, we're going to read through this again. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Love. Are you a loving person? Like naturally? How many of you could say, let's, let's, ask, let's ask a question like this. We could use a whole lot more love in this world. How many of you would say that? Yeah, now I'm not talking about hippie kind of love. I'm talking practical love. Practical love in this world. Um, love is something that's produced as a fruit of change in our lives by the Holy Spirit. And it's no wonder that that's one of the fruit that's produced by the Holy Spirit because it is absolutely one of the major attributes of God. You'll find that the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives reflects the attribute in the personhood of Jesus and God the Father. First um, John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Whoever does not love does not know God. If you have a problem loving people, it's because you have a problem knowing God. The Bible says, if you can't love people, that's, not a, that, that's a relationship with God problem. Because we're designed to be more like mirrors. We reflect what's set before us. And if we set the world and the standard of the world in front of us all the time, we're going to reflect that and it's going to be evident in our lives. Well, if we set the things of God in front of us, we're going to reflect the things of God outward. You know, there's an old poem that says that if Christ is the sun and I'm the moon, then I merely reflect his ray. But my light dims every time the world gets in the way. And it's true in our lives. When we have God in front of us, we reflect the things of God. And love is one of those things because God is love. I mean, God is love. Everybody say God is love. God is love. God is love. 
I know that's not a spoiler alert to many of us, but think about that. He's love. He's love. 1 John 4, 16 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Aren't you glad that God is love to you and to me? If it wasn't for God being love, he wouldn't have been motivated by love to send his son Jesus to die for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Now, this is getting a little bit deeper here. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. What is that saying? That's saying the level that we love others is contingent upon the depth of our relationship with God. If you live in God, you live in love. Make sense? One feeds the other. Think about this. Think about this. Maybe the Bible isn't talking about the same kind of love that you and I are used to like mentally connecting with when the word love is used. No, God is love. God has always been love then, right? And he's the Lord God eternal and says that he doesn't change. He's always the same. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, still the same. So he was love before the foundations of the earth. He was love before the universe was formed. He was love before all of creation took place. He was love for an eternity before time began. And he'll still be love for an eternity after what we know as time ends. He's love. It's part of the, the essence of who he is. He is love. He embodies it. It embodies him. He's love. Why are you saying all that, Josh? Here's why. If you and I want to become an expert in something in this world, it's said that it takes about 10,000 hours of time and study or time in the field to become an expert in any given subject or field. Okay, If we were going to say, I want to become an expert in just whatever pops in your head, all right, that means you need 10,000 hours of experience with that to be called an expert. Eight hours a day, seven days a week, at a little over three and a half years, will put you at roughly 10,000 hours. And you can be an expert in something. So that's all you have to do. Sell out, spend eight hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, for about three and a half years, and suddenly you can be an expert in one thing. And if you take a couple of days off, then say four years. Well, that sounds a lot like college. Well, that's studying something. That's not applying something. There's a difference between study and application. So you've got to be able to work the knowledge in the field to be an expert over it. You know, I can be uh, an expert of all the rules of football. I can know all the rules. I can understand the game. I can understand the positions. I can have a knowledge of the game of football, but until I put the pads on and get down there on the field and I hear the smack talking and the mama jokes and I get pushed around and you're in the trenches fighting for position and then you hear the pads popping and you get knocked in the next week by a linebacker or something, until you're on the field in the game, you do not have a working knowledge of it, you just have a knowledge of it. 
practical application goes a long way. So to be a real expert in something, you have to understand it from the inside out and be involved in it. 10,000 hours, that sounds like a lot to us. Think about how long God has been an expert in love. For an eternity. For an eternity. That's a whole lot more than 10,000 hours. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Now, if he has that kind of command of love, and if he is love in, in essence in who he is, God is love. For eternity until now, from now until eternity, 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 never ending, God is love. Then I think his definition of love supersedes our understanding of it, is what I'm saying. I think he knows better what love is than we know about what we think love is. We might have a working knowledge of it, but he's been there where the pad's popping. He knows. He understands. Because that's who he is. God, God's understanding of love, God's use of love, what's used in 1 John chapter 4, what's used in uh, the, the scripture in Galatians that we're reading today is a word called agape. Agape is different than how you and I understand love. Now, if you've been in church for a little while, you've probably heard somebody talk about agape love and just a street definition for agape is doing something for others without expectation of anything in return. That agape love that comes from him, it is it's a sacrificial giving love, saying, I don't need anything from you. In fact, I don't expect anything from you because I don't have to have anything from you. Listen to this, because I am content in the essence of who I am as an eternal God. I am everything that I need. I don't need anything from you. So my love for you is sacrificial and non-conditional. That's how I love you. This is the kind of love that Galatians says the Holy Spirit begins to produce in our life as we stay in our relationship with Jesus. An agape love, an unconditional type of love. Not the love that a husband would have for a wife or a wife would have for a husband because as strong as that is, that's still kind of conditional. It's still kind of, look, if you don't think it's conditional, then you hang out with me and Kelly and you watch what happens when I scare my wife. Whoo, man, her love for me gets real conditional at that moment. I feel like I need to dial 911 sometimes. But there's just something that happens. I can't help myself. Like, she's walking down the hallway, and I'm right here at the corner, and I know she's coming, and I got the drop on her. It is so hard not to scare her because I'm teaching her. I'm teaching her self-awareness, and I'm, tell, I'm teaching her to pay attention to her surroundings. So as a good husband, I'm trying to equip her to be safer in public. You know what I mean? And, uh, man, she reminds me, Dodge, Dodge, Perry, you know. So she'll come, not really, it's not that bad, but, but you know what I mean. Um, it's kind of, kind of a, a conditional thing. Well, you'll love your wife or your husband until they cheat on you about six or seven times. Then that stuff gets old, right? That's what I'm saying. Um, how we love our friends is different. It's not the same kind of love that God is talking about. Now, we might have our ride or dies, and 
But we've got their back, and we know that they have ours, but to be honest with you, some of that can be very superficial and conditional, too. You let enough water go under the bridge, and even the strongest friendships can wear over time. What this is talking about is not that. It's constant. It's all the, always there. It's ever-present. It gives without wanting anything in return. It serves in nature, sacrificial from beginning to end. We don't naturally love like that. We don't naturally give like that. It takes God's work in our selfish hearts for us to be able to be in a position to love like that because only God in us can love through us that way. Don't you think we need a little bit more of that kind of love in our churches in this country? Don't you think we need a little bit more of that kind of love in our families? and our relationships with one another? Well, it only comes as the Holy Spirit produces that fruit in our lives out of relationship with God. We can't do that on our own. I can't make myself love you that way. No matter how disciplined I am, I cannot make myself love you that way because in my natural state, I cannot love that way. It takes God in me, loving through me to make that happen. So this agape kind of love is a game changer. It's a game changer. Um, and as that love manifests itself in our lives, it begins to change how we approach things, how we approach other people, and it makes a radical difference in how we approach the events of life and offenses that come our way and things that we have to navigate through. And Ultimately, that kind of love is going to reflect the attributes and nature of God. So if you've seen it in God and you've seen it in Jesus, then it's going to begin to come out of us as we reflect that and that fruit's produced in us. Make sense? Um, love forgives. No, love takes time to know someone's story. Love takes time to know someone's story. That agape love will take time to know someone's story. Eric, come help me for a second. What does that mean? Well, everybody in here, everybody in here behind every set of eyes, there's a story. Eric's got a story. Okay? Probably nobody in here knows what kind of week Eric's had. Probably nobody in here knows what he had to deal with at work. Knows what's going on personally in his family life. Nobody knows the struggle that's going on in Eric's heart this week. They don't know the attacks of the enemy on his life. Nobody knows what's going on in his life. And the only way we know that is if we take the time to know his story. And to understand a little bit better what it's like to be him. So if Eric comes into church today and he walks by a couple of people and they're like, hey man, how you doing? And he just walks in, yeah, I'm fine. And walks up here and sits down. If you're not careful, your first go-to is going to be, well, dadgum, what's, what's, what's all up in his Cheerios? Well, I said hey to him. He barely even responded. Oh, what's going on with that? That dude's got an attitude problem. It, not even taking into account the kind of week that he could have had. 
it could be the biggest victory in the world that this man even walked through the doors of this church and came in here today because he might be carrying so much weight. It took everything that he had just to make the steps from the car to here to let God do something with the situation that he's facing. See what I mean? So for him to say, hey, might be doing you a favor because if you said, how you doing? He could have spent the next three hours telling you all the stuff that he's wrestling with and going, he just saved you a lot of time and gave you the short version. So, yeah, it means it's hitting the fan. I need to get in the presence of God. I'll talk to you after service. Okay, that could be a great translation for what's going on in Eric's life. Okay, only when we operate in agape love do we take time to hit pause and consider what someone else might be going through instead of assuming the worst about them. We'll give each other a little bit of slack. A little bit of slack. Have a seat. This, this is the same kind of love that God loves us with. In Hebrews 4, uh, verse 15, we see this in Scripture. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. It's talking about Jesus there. What does that mean? That means that Jesus took time. He took time to know our story. He took time to understand what it was like to be you and to be me. Now, he could have just died on a cross, redeemed us, and was out of there. Listen, the level that he loves us at was, I don't just want to come in here and be the sacrifice I want to understand I want to understand I want to know what it's like to be you I want to know what it's like to be tempted I want to know what it's like to be tired I want to know what it's like to have people turn their back on me I want to know what it's like to he for listen to me now listen for 33 and a half years or so on this earth learned what it was like to be you and to be me then he died for our sins. Because agape love takes time to know someone's story. So maybe you're the kind of person that is always quick to grab the guns and just execute. I would encourage you to hit pause and take time to know somebody's story. It may change your whole perspective on life because you yeah. never know what one other person is walking through. And instead of criticism and judgment, maybe they need the love and the grace that God covered you with to come from you to them in that moment of their lives. Just because you took time to know what was going on in their lives. And here's the one that I wanted to jump to just a second ago is love forgives like God forgives. Love forgives like God forgives. Love does not forgive like I want to forgive. Oh my goodness, there's a big difference right there. How many of you would say, let's, in the broad spectrum and many moments of your life, there have been a time or two where you struggled to forgive people like God forgives people? Yeah? Yeah, because it's not natural. We do not like forgiving people. We want revenge. We want to be Schwarzenegger. I'll be back and come back later with the guns and blow up all the bad guys and people that have done us wrong. At least... The, like, in my worst moments, I kind of do. 
just want you want the vengeance, you want the justification, you want you 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 don't want to let go of the hurt because if you let go of the hurt, you feel like you lose control. And really, what you're doing by holding on to the hurt is surrendering control of your life to that person or that moment, and you're a slave to it, thinking that you're in control of it. Love forgives like God forgives. That agape love, it forgives like God forgives. And this is what's crazy. God is so serious about us forgiving other people that he actually says in Scripture that if you don't forgive people, if I don't forgive people, then he's not going to forgive us. Doesn't that sound a little unfair? He says, if you don't forgive them like I've forgiven you, then I no longer forgive you. Wow. Wow. I guess it could be called the height of hypocrisy to refuse to give somebody the forgiveness that we expect to receive from God. If you want to think about it that way. Why, why would God say that we need love and that we should forgive and then turn around and say, if you don't forgive, then everything that I did on the cross... Null and void. I'm going to take back my card and you're left on your own. Why? You ever think about that? Why would a God who's motivated to pay that price for us that we couldn't pay for ourselves then give us a hoop to have to jump through on the other side of it? Stuff like that keeps me up at night. I don't know about you, especially when I know my eternity is on the line on whether or not I actually forgive people in my life and And I started thinking, okay, if this kind of love that motivates us to forgive can only come as a fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life, because it can't come from me, it's produced in my life by the Holy Spirit, that can only be produced as I abide in the presence of God and my relationship with God. That means my relationship gives opportunity for the Holy Spirit to produce his fruit so that I better reflect the heart of my Father in heaven. I'm being changed in his presence. It's not like God's given us an extra hoop to jump through. He equates our ability to forgive as a sign of our active relationship with him. So if I'm with him and I have a relationship with him, listen now, then his love and his forgiveness is going to be in operation in my life as the Holy Spirit produces that fruit. Okay, if that fruit is not there, then to reverse engineer it, that means that I'm not giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to produce that fruit because I'm not in an active relationship with Jesus. Okay, so it's not dependent upon us, it is, it weighs, the weight of it is on the change that's produced in us by the Holy Spirit through that relationship. Are y'all still with me? Listen, this has caused people to jack up their walks with God, like, like almost as much as anything else as I've encountered as a pastor. We can't get the simple concept. So, if we can't forgive people like God forgives us, it's evident of the fact that our relationship with the God 
that empowers us to be able to forgive like he forgives, there, there's something wrong here that needs to be fixed. Uh, there should be an amen on that. There should be some amen in, on that right there. Okay? So to show that sacrificial love, it's got to be produced by the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm saying. Because, and here's why, because there are some things that happen to you in life that it takes a move of God inside of you to be able to move past. Okay, there's just some stuff that happens and some stuff that's so traumatic. And preachers like me will stand up in pulpits and say, listen, you need to forgive that person that raped you. You need to forgive the person that molested you. You need to forgive the friend that betrayed you. You need to forgive the spouse that cheated on you. You need to forgive the person that killed your child. And in and of ourselves, we hear that and say, that sounds great. How am I going to be able to do that? Because I don't have what it takes inside of me to be, even begin to navigate the road of forgiveness for something like that. I'm begging God to heal the wound, but the wound can't really heal until forgiveness takes place. And we try to do this on our own, and instead of letting God go those extra steps and do what we can't do, we decide it's easier to just build the wall and live in a guarded state of hurt and bitterness. Listen, I want to encourage you today if that's you. Listen, that used to be me. That used to be me. And I had to learn how to let God produce that fruit in my life so that I could forgive like he forgave because there's stuff that's happened to this boy right here there's no way I could forgive on my own. But understanding what I've been forgiven of and, and now experiencing the change of God in my life, it flows naturally from me. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be a doormat. Okay? That doesn't mean you have to let people abuse. Well, I have to forgive everybody. Now, that's different from being a doormat and letting people abuse you. Okay, you can get out of a toxic relationship close the door on that, and walk away and still forgive that person, but you don't have to restore that relationship. Okay, that's, that's what I'm saying. So we, we have to forgive like God forgives, and he equips us to forgive out of our relationship with him. So he doesn't hold us accountable for something that he can't equip us to be able to live out in our lives. And love sees people as God sees people. And I think as we're operating in true love and forgiving like God forgives, it's that heart of love that causes us to see people as God sees them. What do you see when you look at people? It's a question I ask myself sometimes. Okay, do you see Georgia fan, Florida fan, Alabama fan, and they all need Jesus to do something in their lives? Do you categorize people like that? Do you see, listen to me now, do you see Republican do you see Democrat? Do you see conservative or do you see liberal? When you see people, do you see them through the lens of politics or do you see them through the eyes of God? When you see people, do you see them based on their actions and what they have or haven't done for you or do you see them through the eyes of God? When you see people, can you see past the smell and the dirty clothes of the homeless person and see the child of God that needs the love of God 
in their lives. When you see somebody, can you look past, can you look past their sexual preference and see someone that needs the love of God? Do you see people the way that God sees people? So I got news for you. We're all in the same boat. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? We've all made mistakes. And just because something's politicized doesn't mean we have to give it a higher platform than it actually deserves. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we all need Jesus. And it's Jesus that changes us from the inside out. Okay? Can you look past the person that walks into service today, stoned out of their mind, and see them with the eyes of God. What would you do if a transgender walked into this church right now, sat down on the front row? How would you view them? How would you see them? Would you see them with the eyes of God? Because true love, that agape love, sees people as God sees them. How do you see that person that cuts you off in traffic? You want to find out where you're at spiritually? Drive through Atlanta. I'm just telling you right now. You will find out how much of God you got inside of you. There's something about Atlanta, especially when it rains. What in the world happens to this area when it rains? IQ points drop dramatically. How do you see people? Do you see them through that love? Because when the Holy Spirit's producing that fruit in your life, it changes things. And love loses its conditions. Love loses the hoops that we make people jump through. And it changes how we see one another. And it makes us pause and take time to understand that, you know what, people go through stuff just like we go through stuff. And if we take a little bit of time to know what it's like to be them, not only would it give us a better appreciation and understanding of them, but... Man, wouldn't that motivate you to love and pray for them even more? The love of God changes how we do things. It changes how we do church. What would the church look like if we could just learn to see people as God sees them? We realize that voting is important, but voting doesn't change the hearts of people. And our culture cannot be legislated into a revival. And the only way this country is going to turn back to God is when we stop seeing people through the filter of political bias and see them through the eyes of God and love them for who they are and show the same sacrificial love to them that Jesus showed for us. It only happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit in us because we can't do that on our own. We can only love in certain ways. That agape love, that supernatural, that spiritual love, that, that love that only God can give, that sacrificial, unconditional love only comes. Love comes from the inside out. It starts with Him working in us. Question for you. How do you love people? Are you in a solid relationship with God daily in His presence, allowing the Holy Spirit to work to produce His fruit so that that love starts to come out?
There is no other way. And you want to learn how to overcome offense? You want to learn how to evangelize like God has called you to? You want to learn how to disciple like God has called us to? You want to learn how to love your brother as you love yourself like we're called to? It starts with the Holy Spirit's work in us as he changes us. Then we don't have to feel the pressure of trying to reach people for Jesus. It's the love that motivates us and propels us to go out and let other people know. Because it's his love working inside of us and not us trying to drum up the courage to say something to a stranger. It changes everything when you get love in your heart from God, from the inside out. It changes the ball game. And this is what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks is, is God changing us. We're growing and maturing and finding that consistency in these next steps that we take over these next few weeks as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, okay? I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel like someone's setting another hoop in front of you to have to jump through. If I'm going to be a good Christian, then I need to... You can't. I'm encouraging you to go home and get in the presence of God and say, God, I don't love like you love. Holy Spirit, produce that kind of love in me so that I can reflect the heart of my Father who's in heaven. Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I want to ask one question before we get out of here today. Talking about this love that God gives us and the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives, that's, that's awesome, but that's only available if you have a relationship with Jesus. See, it's through Jesus that God's able to do these things in us. And we'll, we'll talk about joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and, and all of this stuff that the Holy Spirit produces in us but that's all through a work that Jesus did on a cross it starts with him and it ends with him maybe you're here today maybe you're watching online and if, if I said do you have a real relationship with Jesus or do you just go to church do you have a real relationship with Jesus or do you just know the stuff that your mom told you so you know the answer where you are right now. And you know the answer watching online right now. Or if you're watching this delayed, you know the answer. I want to encourage you today that if you can't say that you have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to fix that today. The God that sent His Son to die for you loves you with an unquenchable love. In fact, he loved you before Jesus even died for you. The Bible says that he loved the world and then sent his son to die for it. You don't have to prove anything or earn anything in the eyes of God. He's not going to love you any more or any less. The, the, the question at hand is, is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? Have you repented of the sin that sends so many to hell? Sin is the issue, not God's love for you. Jesus is the solution. So heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and your relationship with God is not where it needs to be and you know Jesus really isn't 
Lord and Savior of your life. I want you to lift your eyes and look at me on the count of three, and I want to pray for you today. I'm not going to embarrass you or single you out or call you up front or anything like that. I just want to be able to pray with you, and let's take this next step and get this right in your heart today. So here we go. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around on the stage, in the media booth, anywhere in this place. If you know your relationship with Jesus isn't where it needs to be, I want you to lift your eyes and look at me on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. I see yours. 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 Praise God. Once you lift your eyes up, you can put them back down. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, I want to give you one more chance. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, you know you need to. Lift them up and look at me. All right, let's all stand this morning, if we can. We get ready to close in prayer. Let me ask you a question. The Word of God bless you today? Did it stretch you a little bit today? Are we growing today? Making you think about stuff today. That's what we want. We want everyone to take that next step in what God is leading us to do and who God is leading us to be. So we had quite a few that lifted up their eyes and said they need to get some stuff right in that relationship with God. We're going to do that as a family this morning. Cool? So I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want everyone to repeat this after me. And if you lifted your eyes and looked at me, especially you, repeat this after me, and, and let's verbally confess what's happening in our heart. You know, the Bible says that you believe but it also says that you confess with your mouth, and that's what we're about to do. We're going to confess with our mouths through this prayer. So everyone repeat this after me. If you lifted your eyes, I want you to pray it and especially mean it in your heart. And let's take that next step in our walk with him. So here we go. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. I repent. That means I turn away from all the junk in my life. Jesus, you're in control, not me. You're my Lord, and you're my Savior. And I give my life to you. Thank you so much for what you've done in my heart. And one day at a time, one step at a time, I'll do my best to serve you as you change me from the inside out. Amen. Let's give God praise for what just happened in the last week, people. Love it. Woo, I love it. Hey, busy time of ministry for our church, so pay attention to these dates so you don't miss anything. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. Can't wait to get into the rest of this series. God's going to grow us, mature us, and get us there one step at a time. Everyone watching online, thank you. Uh, for tuning in. We love you. Thank you for being part of our e-church this morning. God, thank you again for what you're doing in this place. Be with us as we leave here today. God, let us operate in your love. Not, not our understanding, but your definition of what true love is as you change us from the inside out so we can love others the way that you've called us to. In your name, amen.